the world of CIOs, data centers, the role of IT, it's all changing. And today, on episode number 103, that's what we're talking about with Brian Lilly, who is the CIO of Equinus, a large data center provider. I'm Michael Krigsman, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Vala Offshore. Hey, Vala, how are you? <laughs> Michael, I'm doing well, and I'm super excited to learn from uh, one of the best and brightest CIOs um, in the world. So really, really happy to uh, have the show today. Well, Vala, this show, metaphorically speaking, is in your neck of the woods because it's all about data center and networking and hardware. But we're actually talking about the IT issues, though, the CIO and cultural Absolutely. issues. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And uh, Brian, thank you so much for uh, being our 103rd guest. <laughs> and uh, would love to learn a little bit briefly about your, your background. <laughs> sure. So, so first of all, I am honored to be 103rd. I'm, I, you know, 2015 is going to be a big year for me because I'm going to work super hard because I want to crack that top 100. I mean, that's my goal, and I, I'm going to reach it one day. You know, it's sort of like the Fortune 103rd list. Um, I, I actually started to think about why why 103rd, and then I realized it's you guys are so smart, you're so cutting edge, you're so. It, we have 103 data centers around the world. That was the and <laughs> it was why you did it. It's amazing. You guys are amazing. And we, you know, and we weren't going to say anything because we didn't want to embarrass you, but you you nailed it. <laughs> you know, I, I just marketing genius on this call. So, so my my uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. I I looked at your CXO talk list, and I do feel honestly feel thankful to be a part of the list. You know, even even at 103, I I still feel special, and um and uh, and so thanks for having me today. You're very welcome. Um, can you give us a little bit of background information and certainly uh, company information for our guests as well? Sure. So, so Equinix, we're about we're we're going on 16 years old, and uh, we are a global data center platform. We have these 103 data centers around the world, and um, but more than the data centers, we we actually um, protect, connect the digital economy. I mean, that's what we're really trying to do. And you know, the secret sauce of Equinix, besides having very high, re highly reliable, state-of-the-art data centers is we have an interconnection uh, fabric that is is really second to none. We have close to 150,000 interconnections and those are those are cross connects either physical or virtual where companies that are our customers um, connect to each other to to really move forward digital commerce and and we feel blessed to be be sitting in the in the middle of that and actually able to see uh, what's happening? Like who's connecting to who? Where the growth is? And uh, you know, we started uh, 15 years ago with this network ecosystem. We have over a thousand carriers in our facilities, and that's where it all started. And then what followed that were the content guys who said, "Hey, including Yahoo and others, that said, hey, if I could put my content next to those carriers, I can reach eyeballs all over the world at very low latency." And so they were the first to figure it out. And then the second to figure it out were the uh, financial services firms, and they said, "Hey, if I connect 
um, if I if I live within Equinix, I can put my services close to these low latency links and connect to each other, which is why we have many of the matching engines and and uh, exchanges within our facility. And then the latest boom that we're seeing really is is cloud. Uh, cloud it is it is perfectly suited for cloud providers to sit right next to these carriers and cross connect um, into the pipes that reach the people. And 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 so cloud is our fastest growing vertical. We have over 500 cloud providers in our facility. And and so what this all means for enterprises, which is sort of where I'm excited, because yes, we're a service provider, but I'm the enterprise CIO, and and I'm trying to help. Equinix grow and scale and 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 be efficient and successful as a company is enterprises can come in and they can actually leverage not only the network connectivity but they can leverage the cloud connectivity and and uh, and really create this this new enterprise look which is where most of the traffic is actually going out to the cloud versus going to some corporate data center somewhere so it's it's a uh, it's something I learned from my buddy over, uh, he's no longer there, but at um, uh, Bechtel, uh, Gare Ramleth, he said, don't bring the network to your data, bring your data to the network. And that's really what we've been doing here. So, Brian, data centers are a very specific and, for many people, kind of an arcane subject, unless you're involved in, in that segment of technology. So give us a little bit of background on why data centers are exciting today. Because there's a lot happening in data centers because of cloud and, and the other there, things we're talking about. There is. It's a, it's, it's a good question because, um, you know, it, it, it's funny. Before, uh, before I was here, I was, at, I was at VeriSign, and I really hadn't heard much of this company. And I've been here almost seven years. And, and, uh, and I learned a lot. Uh, about the inner workings of the internet. You know, we have access to almost 99% of the internet's routes through our facilities. And, and, and so when I think about data centers being exciting, you know, that's, that's just sort of a funny sentence. Um, because it, it, in, in, you know, my previous experience, it was a building that was sort of segregated, sort of lights out, maybe a handful of people there, uh, you know, a lot of security, you know, and and frankly, not real exciting. But if you go into, if you go into sort of the the data center of the future, whether it's ours, which is in the retail space, meaning we have many many customers in one place, or even you go into a Facebook, you know, a major facility, uh, they are pretty exciting. Their their technology innovation, um, uh, they are where the bits sit and traverse and connect, um, and so it's it's exciting to see. You know the digital economy or the or the digitization of the world, not just the enterprise, but of the world, happen, and a lot of it is happening in these interconnected data centers. And and so to me, it's exciting because I'm I'm fortunate I get to have um, uh, our infrastructure there and take advantage of it. But it's also exciting to see people connect to each other and use that to to move their business forward. Examples could be Hulu or Netflix or Foursquare. Those are all customers that sit within our walls and deliver their amazing services through uh, the, the network um, uh, pipes that we 
you know, that we also host, as well as through each other. You know, they may be directly connected to Amazon, like in the case of Netflix, for its services to run, you know, to run its uh, wonderful service. So, so I, I think that's what makes it exciting is to see our customers innovate and for us to be a, a, a part in making that happen. Sure. Brian, if you look back maybe five years ago compared to today, you know, what does a state-of-the-art data center look like? Well, it it um, it's it's interesting there. Uh, you know, I can I can certainly describe what ours looks like, and and I think there are some trends that are consistent. Hmm. Um, so you know, one example would be really intelligent um, uh, uh, cable tray layout for your connectivity. Um, whether that's making sure that your you know certain whether it's it's video or or audio or high rate data cables are separate you'll see that they're very intelligently laid out so that you can quickly swap and connect to the service you want to swap and connect to that's one second one is is at least in ours we have this thing um, we call it the runway lights they're they're blue it sort of feel like you're in a disco uh, down the hallway it's this blue lighting it's very efficient lighting uh, one of our goals is to be energy efficient and and uh, drive down uh, PUE which is which is a measure of data center efficiency um, you know so green and 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 being eco-friendly is is pretty high on our list and so that's an example of that and then in our case you know and this comes this is born from pragmatism where you know if you've been in IT and you've slogged servers around or, or switches or routers or cables or whatever um, you know that you spend a lot of time there and so what we've done is, is we've tried to make it feel a little bit cool and a little bit like home uh, so for example when you walk in we have a big red silo and in that red silo it's, it's a it's a beautiful structure but in that silo are you know uh, video games and coffee bars and um, and and you know there's Wi-Fi throughout places you can plug in and, and configure your gear you know um, containers with nuts and bolts you know just little things that make it again born from pragmatism make it a better place to work a better place to hang out and uh, and it's always fun when I go in. I give I give tours to uh, college kids, and um, you know, and they and they they meet in there an engineer from Facebook or an engineer from Google or an engineer from Hulu, and and it's pretty exciting for them to know that you know the cloud isn't this sort of without shape amorphous thing. It's actually data centers that are highly connected to networks. So is that what makes a data center sexy? Yeah, that and you know, and some of the people that work there, you know, that it's a little bit of both. <laughs> and what are some future trends that you see? Are there, is there technology? Are you seeing more modular to fixed form factor in terms of the technology that powers the data center? Are they more energy efficient technology that you're researching, investigating? Where do you see yeah. some trends? Yeah, I think I think that um, when you when you look at um, economizers to uh, again, this is for greening, you know, and also you know, in certain states you get significant rebates for for mm. technologies like that. Um, yeah. Solar is is um, is still hard because of the vast amounts of power we need to generate, um, and and certain states again have incentives to do that. Um, uh, some of the technology we call it hot and, and cold air containment. Hot, uh, you know, where you have a hot aisle. If you look at the how the equipment is laid out, 
it um, you've got a hot side and a cold side and so there's a lot of technologies on how do you um, uh, you know minimize the hot air or spillover into the cold air and vice versa and actually vent that out and again efficiently and we've seen and and what's really kind of cool is in these data centers we try out those things all the time so we try out new materials um, to uh, to do this whether it's it's malleable material or fixed um, we see new technologies on on the the power generation side uh, that we are constantly looking at we have great partnerships with the big guys that you would imagine um, uh, we'd actually like to see more innovation in that and especially more innovation in in again the retail space because it's a different problem you know you're trying to solve when when you're making a single purpose data center for a single application you can highly optimize it for that layout and for that single application and that's typically driven by a particular customer a cloud player but if you're in in sort of a retail space where it's more like an airport where it's the on-ramps and off-ramps and you got gates and all that where not all the planes are the same and so you can only optimize so uh, so much be before you know you you start to get into the the custom build of the of the company that's using it so we have to do the balance uh, and it is a balancing act sure. so Brian we've been talking about data centers but your CIO of Equinix and so let's talk about the CIO role what do you see is your role inside the company as CIO well it's yeah it's a great it's a great role so like so like I said I've been here about seven years and and when I came in um, you know they viewed that that this could be a potential limiter to growth um, if you look at the original post when I joined that was sort of the comment was how do you build um, a scale you know and scale Equinix and and that was one the, the other one was is how do you connect with customers in a in a in a more meaningful way um, and and that's not just through technology that's also through um, uh, just communicating best practices so so I break it down into sort of four things one is is um, uh, sustaining you know operational excellence so you know you don't get the right as a CIO to, to do much innovation or or maybe some of the fun things like spending time with customers you don't get that right until you get the operational um, excellence right so I always tell my guys and gals that sustaining operations is job one and we you know we we just we we have to do that first and foremost and then second is as I said transformational excellence and what I mean by that is 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 when you're growing at the rate we've been growing you know we're we've gone I joined when it was about I think it was about seven uh, maybe 900 customer or 900 employees maybe 800 and we're now at 4300 so the the growth in in employees I joined it it's I don't know somewhere in that eight nine hundred million in revenue we exited around two and a half billion in revenue somewhere in there so the growth has been significant and so transformational excellence is all about how do I transform uh, business process and business systems to support a scaling growing global company and and you know and there's a there's a number of initiatives in there that uh, that were we've taken on in the past and we're still taking on to do just that 
the the third part of my role is innovation excellence. So we've, you know, the team has um, has really uh, focused on innovating. Um, you know, when I think about cloud exchange, which is the most recent example, that's never been done before. And writing the software and API enabling the cloud exchange is just one example of innovation. We have numbers. We have a number of others. Um, we'll be contributing uh, pretty heavily to open source here in the in the not too distant future. And um, and so innovation is sort of in our blood. And I'm not a believer in that you just set aside an innovation team and that's what they do is innovation, but that that's more of a mindset. And, and, and then the structural piece says, how do I create an environment where people can innovate and, and, and not fear failure and not, um, uh, you know, think that everything has to be 100% focused on a particular deliverable when we're trying something new. And you know, there's bounds to that, but it's 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 a mindset. And uh, and I I'm I'm happy and proud to say that it's alive and well here. And then the the fourth thing, which to me underpins it all, the fourth element is is um, organizational or people excellence. We we have been able to attract real talent and I think the reason we've been able to is is partially because of a clear vision around transformation and innovation and that we're serious about that but that but that we also know that we've got to be operationally sound because you know it, it, it's interesting good people want to work in a place where they're surrounded by other good people they get to work on cool stuff and um, they get to innovate and they get to feel like one person can make a difference. So to me, the talent or organizational excellence um, is, is critical. And it's not all here in the Valley. We have a bunch of brilliant people here in the Valley, but I've got a, a sizable team in Singapore and, um, and a, a growing team in Brazil um, where we acquired into Rio and Sao Paulo. Um, uh, and, and you know, talent is everywhere, and uh, you just got to go find it and inspire it. Having watched some of your other uh, previous uh, video interviews and writing, um, I get a sense that the fifth value might be business value excellence. Um, you talk a lot about making sure IT investment thesis and priorities are very well aligned with your business strategy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, that's that's uh, you know fan, fantastic question. I I I think that that's tied um, in 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 my four to sort of the transformation because because in the in the transformation. So what? So here's what we do. We're, so first of all, absolutely, we we must focus on the value and the results delivered. We have a um, a map, and it's it's a Deloitte map. I think it's called the Enterprise Value Map, and the Enterprise Value Map. It's it's a wonderful document. Um, you should you you know people should uh, listening should should ask Deloitte for it, and I, I have it on my wall. Um, and what it is is it's like an org chart, and at the top of the org chart is enterprise value, and then it's broken down into its components, and those components are revenue or operating margin or asset efficiency or uh, I think the fourth one's like expectations. And, and underneath it, it has the kinds of activities that can drive value in 
in uh, into those buckets which drives enterprise value and and it not only has that but down the left it has and here's the kinds of things you can do so when we do um, when, when we do IT initiatives we don't even call them IT initiatives they're business initiatives that are IT enabled so when when you know I'm a part of the E team I report to our CEO when we talk at our strategy sessions we lay out the uh, the strategic priorities for the year or the next couple years and when I lay out the IT priorities they map absolutely and are embedded in those initiatives so for example we just launched you saw in the in in the in the news we've launched a channel program um, so we have a channel based initiative in IT to support that whether that's through systems or process reengineering um, uh, you know or or infrastructure depending on again what what it is that we're trying to accomplish second one we just acquired nimbo for hybrid cloud uh, professional services that was uh, that was um, our path towards professional services and we know you know we're, we're very interested in that space we know we're going to do more because our customers are asking us to do it well professional services you know that's a different operating model so we have to make sure that whatever software solutions or processes that we have now support uh, a professional services organization so so to me we're the enabler and a, and a clear partner to the business in achieving the strategy we set out and and all the way down to every engineer in my team they get to see that mapping and uh, and 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 I think you would be impressed. You could talk to a software developer here in Sunnyvale, and he's a Node.js developer, and he'll tell you about how we're trying to drive cloud density in huh. certain markets. That's and awesome. that's an engineer. So super important. So Brian, you have spoken about the idea of a helicopter view of IT. That the, that the CIO should possess this. Maybe elaborate on that. Yeah, that that's um, that's my military coming out of me. Sorry. Um, uh, so what I what I meant is that we have a hell in in our role. If we sort of you know to 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 coin a phrase, if we sort of lean in to our role, we we have a helicopter view of the enterprise. We are very very fortunate um, that we get to work with and support all functions all regions, all countries uh, in the enterprise. And so it is, it is a privilege to do that and with that privilege comes responsibility and the responsibility is is to you know speak up and step up, right? It's to when you see things that sometimes you're a dot connector, right? You see this function over here talking about something that this function really needs to know about and what you find is is maybe those functions don't know or haven't been talking and so with this helicopter view you get to connect dots for functions you also get to to see what's going on in Singapore and maybe as a best practice you know really that could be used in Brazil and and vice versa and um, it's 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 really I don't. It would be hard for me to go back to a single function because of that view and that privilege that I have in this role, and and I think it's also our responsibility and duty to do something with the information we get. So you, as the CIO, the helicopter pilot, but it must require 
a culture of open-minded, collaborative um, IT organization in order to connect all the dots. I'm assuming you empower your team <clears throat> to make sure that when you do have that upper view, you also have the opportunity to exchange ideas and welcome suggestions and go from what some traditional CIOs may be blamed as CI knows, which is something I've heard you say, to CIOs and IT organizations that may not default to yes, but are certainly open to, you know, making sure that they're listening and, and collaborating. Is that a fair, fair view of how you have to achieve success if you are going to connect the dots? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's funny. Some of uh, so I have a I have a phenomenal team, um, starting from sort of this handful of of vice presidents all the way down, and and we have uh, I I would say probably, um, probably one of the most open and collaborative environments that I've ever worked in. We just there's just and I think it comes from a, a basis of trust. You know, it's the whole five dysfunctions of a team and what's What's the you know what's the 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 bottom you know uh, layer is trust and and I think if you're if 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 you have trust it's amazing what can get done it's it's you know trust equals speed um, trust equals sharing trust equals um, uh, the ability to connect dots and and yes be open to ideas and and uh, you know, I when I when I watch sometimes I sit back and I watch you know my my team operate with the business because they're mapped into the business and um, and it's just it's it's really it's really quite fun to watch. You know, this morning we we were in our day ten of a big UAT cycle. We have a probably 150 people around the world testing this transformation project, and we we uh, we have kickoff at nine in the morning here. And we put up a couple of slides, you know, and and one of the slides we put up was it's International Happiness Day today, by the way. It's uh, and uh, my 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 buddy uh, and uh, he he came and spoke to us, Sean Aker of the Happiness Advantage. Um, I, I put up that slide and I said, yeah, I, I you know he reminded me that when he tweeted out today, and and you know this this whole notion of we're on one team, and I'd rather I'd rather work together. Even if it's their idea um, or not mine, let's just be clear on that. Um, I'd rather work together to solve a customer problem or, yeah. or you know, compete with a, a uh, you know, a company that we're competing with, compete well and and fairly and hard, um, than compete with each other. And I think this sort of openness and and dot connecting uh, goes so much further than the other. And uh, and and we live. I, I've got it on my wall. Abraham Lincoln. I think it was Lincoln uh, said, "It's it's easier to catch um, a, what is it a, uh, a a a fly with a drop of honey versus a gallon of gall, right?" And so you know, it's just so much easier and better to be kind. So Brian, you are responsible for customer-facing portal products. This is pretty unusual for a CIO to be facing outward in such a direct way. So maybe uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, that that um, it, it is it is interesting. It's it's uh, it's lovely actually. Um, 
you know, I think I think there's a little bit of a blend of CIO, CTO roles sometimes in certain companies. And I also think there's this notion of center of excellence. Um, so when I came here, the real center of excellence that we built um, was in software, whereas the CTO role was much more in network technology and switching fabrics and and um, and data center technologies and 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 we really have in IT uh, a center of excellence around software and and as we built that and we're able to attract some of these um, really talented software engineers um, uh, it became clear that that and made sense that we in in this team should own all software and and that included customer facing because we we treat our internal clients like customers and so it's a very it's a very similar mindset to to engage your customers to um, uh, talk to them about what would make their life better what would make it easier how do you get them to you know to become more sticky customers so that um, so that they actually integrate your platforms with theirs and we're sort of experts in integration and and so when you think about uh, when you think about SaaS apps you know we have about 40 SaaS apps that we use here to run Equinix and then we've got probably you know 20 or 30 I don't even know how many on-prem and and we have to integrate SaaS with on-prem well it's sort of similar with integrating outside the walls of the enterprise with your customers to your on-prem and you could do that through portals where you have a person sitting in front of it and you're engaging them in the user experience and doing all those things or you can do it programmatically via APIs and and but it's the same it's the same notion and if you treat you know if if you if you do follow those those principles of a you know user or customer engagement um, getting them involved in the design, getting them working with you, listening to them, having direct, like we have, for example, a, a mail alias called Portal Feedback. Every single comment comes in um, from a customer comes in, and I, I read every one of them. They, they come in, and, and uh, there's a bunch of people on that, and there's a bunch of action that gets taken, but it keeps my finger on the pulse of, the, of, of what's going on with our customers, and I I, I think that it's an exciting part of my job. I think we have, um, we feel uh, absolutely a part of the product strategy and the company strategy, um, and and I also think it's uh, it's a really nice mesh with the enterprise systems side of IT. So you know, you talk about Brian um, collaboration and 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 internal. Uh, coordination and you certainly sounds like you absolutely believe that thought leadership exists in the field the fact that you read all the emails and and you s proactively seek feedback talk to us a little bit about the role of culture company culture in in not only enabling your four pillars of excellence but helping Econex become a successful company and certainly you a successful CIO that a lot of you know the the success my team and I have had is 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 um, is because of the company we're a part of. Um, you know this this is a uh, you know I love this company and and the the time spent here has been uh, has been fantastic. And I think when I think of the role of culture, you know the founder um, there were two founders 
uh, Jay Adelson, who I also think founded Dig, and Al Avery. And Al Avery has passed away, but but it really started with these two guys. And it's a great story about you know uh, to a facility and a tech guy in digital uh, had this idea, and um, and it started in Palo Alto in the Palo Alto Internet Exchange, and it just it's a great story. And and they one of the early people that they hired was a man named Peter Van Camp. PVC, as we uh, affectionately call him, is our chairman uh, of the board and is is still actively involved. Um, he sits, you know, right across the hallway from our CEO, and you know they share uh, an executive assistant and and. They we talk about everything, and it really all started with PVC. He is such a graceful and genuine human being, and and really gets sort of the potential of people, and and the people that he hired. You know, the, there's original people here. People like Keith Taylor, our CFO, Brandy Galvin Morandi, our our general counsel, um, Pete Ferris, our chief uh, um, customer officer. These these people, um, you know, really do embody sort of the spirit of openness, collaboration, friendship, um, kindness, hard work. There's no question, but but just a lot of good things. And then what 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 happened is 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 it's interesting because as they brought people in, it's harder to keep that sort of culture that you have as a startup. But but you have to nurture it, and I, I call it, you know, that what I'm the keeper of is the cultural flame for IT, that that it needs to be, you know, a, a part, a team member of this Equinix family, and um, you know, it's it's uh, culture to me is everything. It's everything, and and it can it can really really be a competitive advantage, or it can be a cancer. And uh, for us, I think it's a competitive advantage. So, Brian, in a nuts and bolts way, uh, what a, what is this view? On, how do you how do you implement execute this view of culture? What are the steps you actually take? Well, I I I think one thing you have to be is consciously competent, right? You have to be aware and awake. And uh, and take it take it seriously, um, but I also think it's not you know my my friend good friend Ralph Laura who's a CIO over at um, HP, you know Ralph said um, I, I found this this uh, really cool culture deck and I and I, I liked it it was from LinkedIn and I I floated it out on LinkedIn I I um, shared it and you know what Ralph said is he goes you know it's not it's not about slideware or about slogans on a wall. It's about how our people behave. And so, you know, when you talk about putting in a process around culture, I I think I think the first thing you want to do is is make it top of mind and and also write it down. You know, it's this whole thing about norms and what's okay and what's not okay. You know, our CEO He's a West Pointer, ex ex West Pointer, Steve Smith. He, you know, he says, you know, leaders get the behavior they tolerate, and and you know, there's there's just there's just behavior that's not acceptable, um, and I and and then there's behavior that's just what we want to see, like 
you know, we have this concept of, of a loyalist framework. And, and imagine the words, if you mean them, like this. Um, I am as invested in your success as my own. That's a pretty massive statement, right? If I truly believe and I am in, as invested in your success as I am my own, think about how selfless that, that becomes. Um, think about our, uh, we have operating norms, things like grant trust. I assume positive intent. These are all things, I'll, I'll talk to you and not about you. You know, these are all um, small statements that really mean a lot. And, and, and I think if you, if you really live by them and then you call people out when they don't, um, I, I think it starts to build a culture um, that is both uh, reinforcing. It can be somewhat aspirational because it's hard. You know, nobody's perfect. But, but it creates a place where, again, where that trust is and where you have trust, you have speed and, and, and sharing and openness and collaboration. So um, I don't know if there's a recipe, uh, Michael, but it's a it's, um, it's super, super important topic. Hmm. So Ralph, you, Brian, you grew the company from, you said, 900 to you know, 4,500 employees in, in the six, seven years you've been there. When you're looking to hire an IT professional, whether they're VP direct reports to you or DevOps or single contributors, data center experts, what are some of the attributes that you look for when you're bringing a, you know, and welcoming a candidate to, 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 to your family? Well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, another great question. I think, um, well, clearly they need to have the competence in the field that you need. So, you know, you can't have just a, you know, a team of nice guys and gals that, that, that aren't competent, right? Um, there's, there's teams out there like that, and, I, and, and while it sure seems like a happy place and they, always, they never miss the birthday cake, um, they may not get much done. So, so I, think, I, I think, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a two by two. I'm not doing the Janet Jackson. I'm just saying there's a two by two, and and the two by two is is sort of ability or results or whatever. And then you know, so it's it's what you did, and then the other is the how. And so if you break that two by two, you, you know, you got doesn't get results and and doesn't maintain the values. You fire them, right? And then if you're up in the other one, they 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 get results and they do it where people flock to their team. Those are your stars and you motivate. And, and then it's the other two that are sort of tough in terms of coaching because if they get the results but they're not living to the values, you either have to coach them over into that other quadrant or likely they're going to be gone because you're not going to value results over leaving dead bodies in your wake. And then the other one is, you know, they, they really do embody the culture um, but but they're not getting the results. Well, maybe they're in the wrong job. Maybe you can coach them into a new role, etc. So that's how we sort of maintain it for uh, for existing employees. For for new, it's a combination of the competency axis, and then there's a set of of um, I don't know if you you call them attributes. It it also might just simply be responses to questions around. Um, let's talk about this scenario and the scenario might be that you have a deliverable you must get done your teammate has a deliverable that they have to get done and they're in deep doo-doo you know what do you do 
and and it's it's very and then and then say not only what do you do in that hypothetical, give me an example of this in your in your past. Um, it it really will show their tendency to help, their tendency to be a good teammate. Um, uh, you can ask them questions about what about your previous culture did you like and what didn't you like, and the, the kinds of answers that you get in those questions. Um, uh, are 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 pretty interesting because it you know it, it it sort of can be revealing of the character. Um, so I I think it's more that than attributes. I mean clearly the attributes of teamwork and and um, collaboration, um, uh, this openness notion that you mentioned. Um, also though passion to drive because you know we're in a we we can't miss the market so we have to drive and. And um, and you know you you can't be afraid of working hard, um, but those those are the kinds of things that we do. It's it's a it's a really important question how you how you hire. Sure, Brian, we have just a couple of minutes left. So can you share advice talking about culture? Can you share advice to other CIOs that are in organizations that may not be as receptive or open? to the CIO driving innovation. So in other words, how can a CIO drive innovation in the most effective and efficient manner with the results that are that are desired? Hmm. Um, well, well, I I think if if it's and and this is probably not the case for all CIOs, but most CIOs have a budget and that is that has some room in it. That has some room in it. And what I mean by that is 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 you know it's and I know there are certain um, and why I said this may not be the case for all is is some you know manufacturing where you have penny margins and you know they live in a different in a different maybe world. But if you're if you're if you're in in one where you actually have some room. Um, there's a couple of things I think you can do. Uh, one is is set aside some money for ideas. Uh, set aside some time for some of your people to to work in in areas that there's not necessarily a, a, a an application fit for it today, but there's there could be some relevance to where you're going. Um, the other thing is set aside some of your time because you know I have four kids and just like parenting you know vote with your feet you know it's not what you say it's what you do so if you say you know you're really 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 important to me and yet you've never attended a school play or you've never gone and seen them sing or you've never coached a team you know how you know how important you know it, you're, you're saying one thing and you're maybe doing another so it's the same thing with the CIO's time. If if your calendar is jam-packed with meetings only up, or meetings that are with vendors, or meetings that have nothing to do with innovation, then you're sending a message that's not important to you. So vote with your feet. Carve out some time, whether it's brown bag lunches or it's um, your own time. Like I just spent 90 minutes this morning because my team has a contribution to open source that they want to make. And 
and it you know I, I'm I'm so glad I went it it frankly it blew me away and and you know and I spent 90 minutes of my time but it was it was so worth it and it didn't cost me a penny and a lot of it they did on their own and they said look at these five apps that you didn't even know we built on this framework we built on it so I think you'll be surprised what you can do it does not take a lot of money it does not take a lot of people and it doesn't even take a lot of time it just takes attention it just you just need to care about it you know you just right. it, it just matters and um, and you know it got to the point now here where the the individual contributor engineers created a process called Sparkathon, and this Sparkathon is an innovation process where ideas are like sparks, and they are sparking ideas all the time, and they're getting Raspberry Pi develop um, development kits where they're doing for. 50 bucks or 100 bucks they're saying hey we can do an IOT collector hey we can do this that and the other they're coming up with ideas some will go nowhere but some will very much go somewhere and some will be potentially game-changing and you just gotta care alright so that's what I would say that's awesome Michael guess what we made a massive mistake waiting for 103 to have Brian on the show I'm telling you I'm super inspired, and I learned a ton from you in 45 minutes. Incredible, incredible insights. And I hope you come back on the show. I will. I will come back when you're at 203. <laughs> I will be 203 guy for you guys. Well, at the rate so, you guys are going, you're going to have 230 data centers. Uh, I, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you said it here. So Brian, Brian. You're a pretty cool CIO, so let's see you with the cool sunglasses. Okay, well, let me see. How do, how do these look? These oh, wow. All right. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Let's go innovate. Let's go. Vote with your feet. I love that. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's innovate. <laughs> and with that, we have been talking with Brian Lilly, who is the CIO at Equinix on episode number 103 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, my co-host Vala Offshore. Vala, high five, <laughs> bang. <laughs> and everybody, tune in next time because we're going to be back. Brian, thank you so much. Follow Coach Lily on Twitter. Coach Lily on Twitter, please. <laughs>